0: Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode, and this is going to be a short one, this is going to be me sitting here doing some work, drinking my coffee midday, enjoying the perfectly spicy hot weather outside, hotter than a $2 pistol, and wow, it's been how long now? We've been at home for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people haven't been as lucky to have to be employed during this whole situation. But we all have our pluses and minuses, right? It's all our perspective of our struggles, etc. Man, I'll tell you, it's been a crazy time and I can't believe in a blink of an eye The last time that I felt it was normal was when I was down in Florida with my family, enjoying the time down there. And then we started to hear about it after we got back. I remember my one friend texting me saying, well, it looks like they're going to cancel Major League Baseball. Cause he was listening to sports radio and he was texting me and I was like nah there's no way this whole thing's blown out of proportion just like Ebola and everyone's freaking out like everything's going to be shut down but then sure enough it was everything did shut down and what an experience to live through what a terrible experience for a lot of people I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, woe is me, because I have positive things that came out of this experience when I know there's a lot of people out there who had negative things that came out of this experience. So I understand that there are a lot of people who are frustrated way more than I am. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I am a victim of some sort. I don't play that mentality. I don't play the woe is me mentality. I like to try to look at the positive side of things. So I like to talk about the positive side of things. For me, personally, because that's what this whole podcast is, is me just talking about personally what I what I think and um, what my experiences are as an individual. And you'll learn how boring my life is. <sighs> I've been able to get into shape. I've been working out a lot more. Um, I've had more time to do things after work is done rather than having to take public transportation to and from work. That means I'm I'm home and done earlier than I would be. Um, Don't have to spend money on a commute. And... Yeah, it's just the enjoyment of being at home. Yes, it does get stale. There are times when life does get stale and... You, um, you get bored of the same place. So I try to switch it up, move my office space around the apartment, but in reality, here I am. Again, not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying this is exactly what I've been dealing with. I picked up some new instruments. Um, I've always played the guitar my pretty much since I was about 14 years old, but I bought a mandolin. I bought a banjo last year. And I also just bought a fiddle. So I've been trying to learn the fiddle. And that has been quite the struggle. But I feel like I'm getting the hang of it. I'm getting closer to where I need to be. So it's just really been me exploring different parts of my personal life. And having the time to reflect on me as a person individually. So... I mean, in reality, it's a weird situation. Um, not a lot of people know how to deal with it. I think there's a lot of people still confused about how to deal with it. Especially kids. I feel so bad for the kids. But you see what I mean? You see what I mean with my ADD? I just, one thing after the other. But there's a lot of conflict surrounding the vaccines, mask wearing... And am I going to get into it? Eventually. You'll figure out where I stand on each of those subjects, and in no way is it political. And I know that everyone tries to politicize everything and throw people on one spectrum or the other. I'm a firm believer that we should never judge someone um, by—we should never lump someone into a group and associate them with that group. Everyone thinks individually. Everyone can think on their own. So don't think that someone is a part of a group when they're not. No one is a part of a group. We are all individuals on this earth. We search for belonging in groups. But that doesn't mean that we have to believe or live our lives under the MO of that group. Basically what I'm saying is every human being that exists on this planet can have their own thoughts and opinions based off of the thoughts and opinions that exist out in this world. I know there's the saying that people don't have ideas, ideas have people, and that couldn't be more true, but everyone can take pieces of those ideas from different thought leaders, and utilize them in their lives as to how they seem fit. So that's the way I look at the world, and the way that I look at people. So I don't really know what I'm going to title these episodes, because honestly, it's very random. It's super confusing. Um, I know I don't necessarily have any sort of structure, and I think that's the whole point of these, is for me to just sort of random, um, just have these random rants and random thoughts that are running through my mind, and and maybe people will latch onto this and listen to um, my thoughts about random stuff, but these things just pop in my mind. So I'll try to have some sort of subject matter that I'm going to talk about in an episode. See what people think, and then go from there. If people like it, then great. If people don't like it, well then I'll just continue to do it. (laughs) Uh, It also kind of gives me an opportunity to organize my thoughts. Like, what am I thinking? Why am I thinking it? What would possess me to think something like that? So a lot of that making sense of my thoughts is going to happen. So if you people are ready for that, then you will definitely enjoy this because it is going to be a lot of um, me trying to make sense of my life and me trying to make sense of what goes on in my mind. Now, I... I can tell you that where I am now in my life, I am satisfied. No, I'm doing good financially. I have a good job. I have a nice little place in a nice little town. So I don't have a lot to complain about. But there's always just little things that throughout your day, eh, you kind of find the bother the shit out of you, you know? So, I just like to try to express, like, for example, a truck just drove by with, like, four pieces of lumber on it. A giant lumber truck. With four pieces of lumber on it. Get a different size truck. I don't know. Man, it's just madness out there, dude. Like, think about it. People are so... I'm not going to use the word polarized because everyone says polarized. But I don't think that that summarizes what's happening right now. People can be polarized, but they can be calmly polarized. I think we're missing a whole half of the equation of why we are where we are. And I think that we are where we are because people are charged and polarized. Meaning that they have anger inside of them, deep inside of them. They have hatred. Everyone has that. We all have that level of anger and hatred for certain things. And it may be different levels of hatred. We may not have the same definition of hatred. But we all have it one way or another. And we use that seldomly, hopefully, um, to power us through things. And I don't mean using hatred to actually hate on someone. I mean using the fuel that hatred gives you or that anger gives you and channel it in a positive sense. Like maybe you hate the way that something is, so you change it. Maybe you're angry about where you are in life, so you change it for the better. But what's happening right now is that we have this hatred and this anger built up in us, and we're not using it to channel it for the good. We're using it to say, we are right and you are wrong. And there's nothing good coming out of the conversation that really isn't a conversation. Because how could it be a conversation when people are screaming in each other's faces saying, I'm right and you're wrong. There was nothing conversational about that. So I just find it a little odd that every single thing that people talk about nowadays has been charged. And because people are polarized, you add the next step to charge them when they're polarized. It's like a battery. You have the positive and negative, or like magnetic. So I really do think that You need both of those things in order to drive a divider in a society. And I think that's what we're dealing with right now. You have anger and hatred on one side and anger and hatred on the other. Okay, again, everyone possesses that, right? So it's like detail of... Jesus, there's a truck backing up somewhere? Slammed on his horn. Um... You have the ingredients for chaos in every human being that's ever existed. We are all capable of the absolute worst thing as long as what we think we are doing is right. And those who commit these atrocities never stop to think, are we doing bad? Because it's all taught that this is a desperate act that must happen. And it may seem bad, but it's for the good in the end that the ends justify the means. So, okay, you have all of that inside each one of us. We all recognize, or we should all recognize, that we are all capable of those things. So then we have to now understand that we have that potential for mass chaos, and then we have to make the change on our own to ensure 100% that we do not let that part of our human uh, element or the human um, condition affect the way that we live our lives and the way that we interact with other human beings. Because as soon as we let the hatred and the anger take over in a uh, regressive fashion that's when you pave the road to chaos so it's not saying that oh soon will be you know people will be sent to concentration camps that's not what i'm saying at all i'm just saying that you have the potential for absolute chaos and what we're seeing right now I believe, is chaos in one sense. Do I think it is going to lead to something worse? I don't know. I I don't think anyone could say for certain, but the patterns are there. I think we're seeing things start to emerge that could be leading us to believe that we're heading in that direction. But... I'm trying to have a positive outlook on things. And I'm starting to see that more and more people feel the way that I do. That I think a lot of you, when you listen to this and hear what I'm saying, I don't think that there's a lot of you out there who are desperate for chaos. Humans like order. We like things to be organized Especially in our day-to-day lives, we want things to just happen the way that they're supposed to happen. And when something doesn't happen the way they're supposed to happen, it causes stress. And we don't like stress or anxiety. So why, why would we want that to happen? I want to wake up knowing exactly what I'm going to do that day and obviously leaving room for me and having the freedom to make my own choices. So that's the order that I'm talking about the order of having the freedom to make your own choices and having things planned out for your day. That's a good type of order. It is a, enough of a mix of chaos and randomness of your own doing and your own choice that gives you the freedom to live without that constant stress. The, the chaos that I'm referring to that I think we don't want is something that's out of our control that affects us in a negative way and causes us to collapse as a society. (laughs) I think that's the chaos that all of us don't want. Now let's analyze that further, right? We all want to better our society. We all want things to be better. But we all have our own ways of getting there to the end. And what might that be? I think that's where the discussions need to happen. And I don't think that they're happening. So this is why I really believe that we all need to get together and talk about things. Because we all want, as individuals, not those, let me just make sure that I'm clear here, people like you and me, normal citizens, people who just want things to go right for everyone around them, that is I think what everyone wants we want peace we want people to have what they deserve to have we want a society built by an opportunistic system that allows those at every level to move up now in I will say there are parts of me that I think we already have. However, I understand that there are a lot of people out there who have lived a different life than I have that may think they do not have the same opportunities that I do. But here's where it gets tricky. Knowing that from your life experiences, what is the next step? Okay, there's frustration, there's anger, there's stress in certain people, individuals. But then, because of your life experiences, you may see the world differently than I do. And that is totally okay. That is normal. But where it goes wrong is how to deal with those emotions and how to deal with those thoughts. And we're already seeing the wrong way to deal with those thoughts. That is to go after individuals. I just got to get up and grab something. Go after individuals for their way of life. Intrude on their way of life. Try to destroy their way of life in spite of their way of life because it's different than yours. I cannot think of any point in human history when that has ever resulted in anything good. And I can only think of that happening in history Um, and it causing something terrible. And something much, much worse than the desired outcome. When you pit individuals against each other, and you convince each person that the other person on the other side of the quote-unquote aisle—I hate that phrase—on the other side of the aisle—see that—that immediately politicizes things. People on the other side of the aisle. Let's not. Let's get away from political thought. Let's get away from speech driven by politics. Let's start talking about the humanistic side of our beings, of us as individuals. Let's get back to that. Let's say having a discussion with someone who may have had different life experiences than you. Okay, now we can have the conversation. But when you immediately say that they're on the other side of the aisle, you have immediately politicized that thought. And I do not think for a millisecond that that progresses conversation or gets people to move past their differences. I think we have to say someone who has a different personality than you do and someone who has a different life experience than you do. The conversation should be about what honestly was their life experience. Number one. And number two... What is their personality comparative to yours? Now, take those two things, which will add up to what their political beliefs are, and maybe it'll give you an idea of where they're coming from. Understand the other side. Excuse me, I shouldn't say that. Understand these individuals who may not sit with you on... Every issue. It's expanding on this. I think is important to, to meditate on. Because when that doesn't happen. And you shut down conversation. The only voice left is your thought leader. And your thought leader. Is here to make sure that you stay with them. So they are going to drive the stake of fear down your throat, and they are going to convince you that the other side is more evil than you can ever imagine, and that you must stay away and not talk with them, because their ideas are poison. Where does that go? Stop and think about that. Where will that lead? Has anyone studied anything about history in their lives to understand that when you stop people from talking to each other, you dehumanize them completely? Because it's not the hatred and anger based off of who they are as a person. It's hatred and anger of the idea of who they are. It's an image that was painted by your group's thought leader. You see what I'm saying? If you know someone, a friend, family member, who may believe things differently than you, who may see the world differently than you. Talk to them. Understand who they are, what their life experiences were, and then from there you will understand why they believe what they believe. But as soon as we are told to not even ask the question. To not even ask the question of where these people come from, what they experienced in life, and why they believe what they believe. When you're not even allowed to ask that question to the other side because then your side will denounce you as a sympathizer. Does any of that sound familiar? Okay, here's an example. Ellen DeGeneres. A ridiculous example. Because a lot of people can draw parallels to this because it's pop culture. People sort of know who she is. She had a meeting with George W. Bush. Now, I'm not a big fan of George W. Bush. But whatever. She meets with George W. Bush. Posts a picture saying that I had a great time, we're good friends, blah, blah, blah. I see no problem with that. But certain people on a certain political spectrum did have a problem with that and immediately raised the sirens of anger and frustration with her as an individual just because she sat there with someone who may believe things differently than her Really meditate on that thought. But I mean, digest it. You are hating on someone who probably believes, maybe, I'm not sure about Alan, but put, a, put yourself an example of anyone. Let's say you see one of your family members interacting with someone on the other side. Or your friends interacting with someone on the other side. Or maybe they voted for another politician than you did. Do you immediately disown them? Because if you do, you need to check yourself and figure out who you are and why you did that. What possessed you to do that? Because I can guarantee you that it's not you disowning that friend or family member. It's not you feeling hatred. Here's how you know it's not you. Have you sat down and had a conversation with them about who they are, what their personality is, what they believe, and why they believe it? Without arguing and pushing your side of the argument. Have you ever had that conversation with that person that you disowned, and you decided that they were poison in your life, and you had to rid yourself of them forever? If you have not done all of those things, and conversed with that family member or friend about all of those things, then it's not you who's deciding to hate that person and it's not you who's deciding to defriend that person it is your thought leader you have convinced yourself because humans do that in order to have confidence in oneself you must have control so you develop this false sense of control over your thoughts and your life when in reality we have no control Because what our life experiences were drive us to those thoughts and those opinions. And then we seek a strong, charismatic figure like people on the news, politicians, celebrities to tell us what they believe. And then we say, well, I like them and they seem like a good person, so they must be right and they're powerful, and they're influential, and they're going to convince you that that is the correct way to think. When you have people telling you that people who voted for a certain candidate is only out to get you personally, now you've made it personal. Now you have made it an individual thought. So you get past the group think to say, well, maybe I don't really associate with everyone on my side, or everyone who believes mostly what I believe. Maybe I don't side with them on everything, but a few things. So I guess I'm, I feel a little upset that that person voted for someone else or, ta- or said something that someone found offensive. But as soon as you turn it around and say that those folks did that to destroy your individual freedom and your rights, now your ears perk. Because we all value those things, but I don't think that we understand what they mean. And I'm going to get into that on another episode. But we, I don't think we are conscious, we're not conscious of the fact that we don't own our thoughts. We don't own our beliefs or our ideas. We adopt them from others, we adopt them from previous literature, we adopt them from thought leaders and figures. In the media, entertainment, and in politics. And then we associate those beliefs with how we feel based off of our personality traits and based off of our life experiences. And until you sit down and talk with someone about it on the other side of the aisle, you will not understand that they are just, they're not just an idea, they're not just a group, and they're not just a threat to you. That they are a human being and that you must converse with them on a personal level to understand who they are and what they've been through, and understand that every individual is unique and does not think the same. I may have voted for a candidate that someone else voted for, but I may disagree with them on 97% of the things that they believe. But does that mean just because I voted for the same candidate Maybe they voted for that candidate for another reason other than I did. Maybe they voted for them because they believed in green energy. And maybe I voted for them because they were going to reduce taxes. Just a thought. But until you have that conversation, this is what this episode is going to be called. We must talk. We have to talk. Don't make it political, but we have to talk. Do not drive the conversation into politics. Listen to what the other person has to say. Understand who they are before you then decide what they think. Once you've decided who they are, Now figure out what they've been through in life. What was their upbringing like? What part of the globe did they grow up in? What language did they speak? What types of foods did they eat? Do they believe in a God or any religion? Or are they an atheist? Or, Or are they agnostic? Or are they spiritual? Figure out those things. Those are important characteristics of every human being. Do they enjoy working? Do they enjoy a fast-paced environment? Or are they more relaxed? Do they like the city life? Do they like the country life? Do they like sports? What sports do they like? What teams do they like? What athletes do they like and why? What do they find as a model human being? We need to have these conversations with people from other sides of the political aisle and not strictly about politics. Start asking people, how are you? How are things? Talk about life. Drive the conversation in that sense. What's happened is the thought leaders on both sides. Now I could say the thought leaders politically on both sides of the aisle have decided that it's a good idea to change the way we talk to each other. And boy, oh boy, have they been successful at it. Have they not? They've changed the way our conversations go and the dynamics of our conversations that when we discuss something with someone who believe a lot of the same things we believe in, we get excited. We go farther and farther into thought. But when we talk to someone who we disagree with, we get angry, we get flustered, and we shut down. And then we forget about everything else about that person that makes them special and unique. We have just completely forgotten how to be a human being. How to live cohesively with each other. Because in order to have a cohesive living circumstance, you have to have the understanding that the other person may believe something differently than you, but guess what? Big picture, they're exactly like you. They are exactly like you. So where does this all go? As we talked about before, like I said, people have anger, people have hatred in them, but it's up to each individual on what they should be doing with that anger and hatred. Where are they going to direct those thoughts and those feelings? How are they going to generate and have those feelings emerge from their body in a positive light and redirecting those those energy forces Because that's what they are, right? They're energy forces. Anger and hatred produces an energy. So how do we then take the energy that those feelings produce and move that energy into a positive light for change, for the good of all individuals? I'd like to also think about this. You have the opportunity as a single person, as one human being to change many people's lives. And I'm not just talking about through education or through donation or through a foundation or through volunteer work. I'm talking about day-to-day and how to make positive change. The first thing that we need to do is we need to start talking to each other again. My God, how important is it for us to talk to each other? Why have we let that go? I think another part of it is looking at it like this. We all have that tribalistic instinct in mind. We all want to belong. Okay, as an individual, you have a sense and a need of belonging. To a group, so you join a club, or you uh, go to a sports game, and everyone there is rooting for the same team. So that no matter what your political beliefs are, or religious beliefs are, or personal beliefs on a specific current world issue is, you are still going to sit next to that person and high five them when your team scores a run, or you know, gets a point or a touchdown or or a goal or whatever sport you're watching. There's something so tribalistic about that, isn't there? Where you can unconsciously remove everything else about you as an individual and conform to the crowd to all root for the same team without command in your conscious mind and with no control isn't that amazing huh. isn't it powerful with one common purpose where you want your team to win so you're going to do everything you can to get your team to win and you hope the other team loses the bad guys lose it's root 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 for the home team and if they don't win it's a shame One uniting idea that is our home team is my home, and that is the United States of America. I believe that if we can Channel our individual thoughts again, which we do and we all have, but get rid of that second aspect, which is having the belief that everyone on the other side of the aisle all believe the same thing and that group of people who looks the same or that group of people who voted for that person all think the same. It is such a fallacy and it is disgusting how it has gotten this far and this popular to actually believe what your thought leader is telling you to believe. Do you understand how weak and timid human beings are? That you sit there and let someone else tell you what you should believe in. But why do we let someone else tell us that? What if, Why don't we just say, well, you know, I don't want to hear it. When you were a kid in school and your teacher is telling you that you have to do this or you have to do that or else you go to the principal's office and say, oh, yeah, go ahead. What about the rebellious kids who would always stand up in the face of authority like a teacher and say no and not not go to school or, or take a day off when they shouldn't or play hooky? Why do we sit there and let our thought leaders tell us what we should think? Because they're not telling us we have to think that. They already know we want to think a certain way because we want to feel like we have things worked out. So they understand that about human nature. They understand that as humans, we're timid and we want direction given to us by someone else. And not all of us are leaders. The majority of our civilization, not just in the U.S., but around in every other country, is driven by the purpose of the masses to have direction. And then every individual feels the same way. We all want to think that someone is in control of all this and will make sure that we can live a peaceful life. It's unbelievably intimidating to think that you have that control. Doesn't religion kind of play that way too, right? Or the thought of everything has already happened or it's all happening for a purpose or it's destined to happen. It's predestined. So having things when you're sitting in the driver's seat of a long road trip, there's a lot less stress than you sitting in the driver's seat. There's a lot less stress as an employee of a company rather than the owner of the company or a manager. So people understand that we crave comfort. We like, that's why we have homes. That's why we call them homes. We don't call them houses or structures. I'm going home to my, see, (laughs) right there. I'm going back to my structure. No, we have a home and we miss it. We miss it when we're not there. All of that, adds up to feeling like we belong or we have to belong somewhere. We all say, I come from this place, and this place is my home. And it's not just your home, like your house, like four walls and a roof and a couple of windows and a door. Talking home like a state or a country That we all associate with as our home, as I said earlier, our home. So we have that sense of belonging. So let's all realize we have that. Okay, now what about the comfort of knowing everything's settled and and, and figured out? Yeah, that's another thing. Don't you feel like it's, it's good that you walk into a grocery store and you're guaranteed to have fresh food? Don't you think it's good that every time you get into your car well, you're pretty much guaranteed that it's going to start, so there's no need to think about it and there's no need to stress about it until something goes wrong. So those are all thoughts that we have that keep us at peace and keep the stress levels down. But as soon as someone starts telling us that, well, look, things are going wrong here, but I have the answers, is like taking your car to a shady mechanic who's never had any training before in fixing a car, and it's your car, and you need that car to get you from point A to point B. And that mechanic tells you, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And the second you hear that, you know you're in good hands. Well, you might not know you're in good hands, but they assure you because of their outfit and covered in grease, (laughs) the image of them makes you believe that they know what they're talking about. So you create this image because every human wants that figure, that parental figure. Founding fathers, that type of parental figure that provides you comfort when things are not going right. So what do you do when you're scared? What do you do when you're confused? Who do you go to? You go to someone that you feel has the answers. And who are those few that have the answers, you may ask? Who do a lot of people look to? Politicians? The most trusted name in news. Mm Mm-hmm. Fair and unbiased. Mm Mm-hmm. You go to them. Because you don't want to spend the time to do the research. You don't really have the time to do the research. so. You trust those people to make the decisions for you and not someone else, like yourself. So there you go. There's that path, and they realized that is the path that we need to exploit. There is what we need to fix right now as a people. We need to teach this to our children. We need to make sure that every individual hears this and heeds this message. It's so scary every day seeing more and more people falling under the spell of these thought leaders, of these powerful figures who have a big voice, who can broadcast the voice out. just because they don't have the time, they don't want to think about it, because it makes them uncomfortable. We all have this feeling of comfort. We all have this feeling of, look, I'm going to wake up today, I'm going to do my thing, and then I'm going to sit down, I'm going to watch my favorite TV show, I'm going to read my favorite book, I'm going to play my favorite video game, I'm going to watch TikTok videos until 3 in the morning, and then fall asleep eventually. we have that sense of comfort so what do they do they exploit that sense of comfort that all of us have and it comes from different it comes from different feelings that generate from something happening in your life so again the feeling of comfort of knowing you have things around you that are cute that are cozy you have someone who is able to take care of the bigger things the government, to take care of the bigger problems in the world while you just have to worry about your problems. So they exploit that when they tell you that there's something wrong. But what they don't tell you is talk to the other side and find some way to make things better for everyone. Instead what they say is what? Listen, we've got the answers. It's going to be okay. We have to do this because it's a desperate situation. So now you create that false narrative of desperation. Okay, so now I'm really concerned. Where is this going? Is this going to affect me personally? Yes. It's going to affect your life. And then those people on the other side are responsible for your pain and suffering. So now, what have you done? You've not only separated each group, you've now created an oppressor, and you've told those on your side that you are being oppressed. You see it on the left, and you see it on the right. An example on the left is white people are the oppressors. The example on the right is the left are the oppressors of your free speech. Now, each side will say that they're right. 100, percent and that the other side is wrong 100%. Really, is it that far each way, each side? There's no middle ground? If you were telling me that you're right 100% and they're right 100%, nobody is right, are they? So how do we get past this noise that just is pumped into your ears 24-7. Turn on the news, watch YouTube, go on Facebook, look at Twitter, check out Instagram. It's all everywhere. Check out my TikTok channel. Boom, politics. No matter where you go, you are surrounded by politics. And not just politics, but I think it's more humanitarian In a negative sense than it is politics at this point politics is very different than what we're dealing with today when everything is a revolution when everything is the discussion of a critical theory what can we do as individuals because everyone's always like well what can i do to make things better What can I do to try to improve things? I think the first thing we have to do is shut off the TV. Stop letting those thought leaders tell us, and those authority figures, tell us what the other side believes because that is the trigger for this division, right? Think about it. You find comfort in knowing that your side has the answers and that your side is right. I'm going to surround myself in an echo chamber where everyone agrees with me and I know that I'm in the right and I'm going to convince myself I'm in the right because it gives me comfort and I seek comfort, right? Does that make sense? You seek comfort. How? Knowing that you're right. How do you know that you're right? Because other people around me say the same thing. So it's a common shared opinion, which means it's the right opinion and it's the only opinion that I'm hearing. Awesome. Why is it the only opinion I'm hearing? Because it's the right one. Well, who says it's the right one? The people in charge who know what they're talking about. It's like the reverse thought pattern. The people in charge know what they're talking about. So obviously their opinion is based on fact. Or their feelings are based off of reality. Reality. You say it enough, you start to believe those opinions and those thoughts and what's broadcast on the news about the other side and that they tell you that the other side is a threat to your way of life. Now your walls have been built. Because before, it was... Hey, why do you believe what you believe? Oh, that's very interesting. Now it's, I know what you believe and it's dangerous and I don't want to have anything to do with you and I don't ever want to talk to you about anything ever. Do you know how hard it is to break that pattern? Let's go back to the sports the sports uh, scenario, right? Sporting example, you're at a game. Let's say it is, uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, Red Wings and Maple Leafs. You're a Red Wings fan, they're a Maple Leafs fan. Or whatever, Um, maybe you can say Yankees-Red Sox. Let's go with that example because everyone knows the Yankees and Red Sox. Yankees-Red Sox example. You're a Yankees fan, they're a Red Sox fan. Are you going to talk with them and have a great time with them? Most likely, probably not. Because the rest of your Yankees fans are going to look at you and go, look at that traitor. I may be doing it around in a kidding way, but there's a part of you that has a spark. That, oh, wow. Yeah, I don't want to associate with that person. They're dumb because they're a Red Sox fan. or They're dumb because they're a stupid Yankees fan. So now you have this idea of who these fans are. So you don't know them as individuals, you know them as a Red Sox fan, and you know them as a Yankee fan, and you don't care about anything else about them as an individual, except the fact that they cheered for when that team scored a run, and it pisses you off when they cheer because their team scored a run. Guess what, the feeling's mutual. So, where does this go? What I said earlier, you are afraid of and you hate the idea of those individuals, not the individual themselves. It's the idea that your thought leader has developed to show you who these people are. Certain people who voted for someone, they are all like that. And there's no convincing me otherwise. <sighs> Isn't it truly unfreaking believable that we have accelerated so quickly to this? Yeah. But at the same time, it's not unbelievable at all. It is totally believable. It's believable. Because we all have the capability of becoming that evil. The evil that we all say that we're not. The evil that we all say that we fight against. The evil that we say we will be vigilant and watch out for. Because we protect our nation from enemies foreign and domestic. And we know what's best for our nation. And if they don't think the way we do, well, then they're poison. And we don't want to have anything to do with any of them. Consider that. Consider that for a second in your life. I want to talk about this more, and I want to talk about this a lot because this thought goes in my mind all the time, and it scares the living daylights out of me when I see people from both sides of the aisle talking the same talking points as their thought leaders. I'll admit it. I I do it sometimes. Absolutely. I'll see something, and I'll watch someone who I really enjoy listening to, and I'll say, hey, that's a really good point, but be honest. Be honest. Understand where these people from the other side of the aisle come from in their lives. What do they believe? Why do they believe it? Who are they as a person? What is their personality type? Discover that everyone is an individual and has their own beliefs. We are all free individuals. Our government may not say it, but we all know we are. And the only way to coexist with the other side is to understand them not to believe in what they believe in, but to understand them as individuals. Let that thought sink in because none of that should be political. Thinking about this should be humanitarian in nature in a good sense. And the only people who want you to not talk to the other side are those trying to snatch power and remove you of your individual liberties. That is a pattern repeated throughout history, time after time after time after time. Thanks everyone for listening. This was the intro episode and I'll probably be doing more things like this in the future. I hope you all enjoy and I hope that you listen. And I know it was long, but hey, this, I believe right now, needs to be done. We have to change the way that we as a nation live with each other. I hope all of you stay safe. I wish all of you the best. And I respect every single one of you until you give me a reason not to. Well, I'll talk to all of you soon on the next episode. I hope you have a fantastic day. And goodbye. Well, a good day to all of you out there. I hope you're all doing well and staying healthy, staying safe, and enjoying your life to the fullest in a way that you feel like you have meaning sip of my coffee. What I am going to talk about today is meaning initially and then see where the conversation goes. What's important to me is the way that I live my life and how others will think of the way that I lived my life. Because if I feel like I have lived like a coward and if I feel like I am sacrificing what I believe to be right and moral for the sake of doing things that I want to do for my own self-interest, I have a problem with that. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. So I hope you enjoy. So meaning in life, I think, is something that not a lot of people today understand and there's a lot of confusion surrounding what exactly it means to find meaning in life. And it's a purpose. But how, how do you find a purpose in life if all you're doing is pursuing that instant gratification and material the material gain? I feel there's a lot of false remedies out there that we tend to lean towards in the name of convenience that doesn't necessarily provide us with the ultimate satisfaction of completion. And one of the examples is reading a book versus watching a five-minute summary video of that book on YouTube. You might now feel like you have a good understanding of what the book means as a whole, and you might feel like you've gotten to the point where you can speak about the book, which is fine if you're looking to have a conversation with someone about it, but where does the gratification come from in terms of the sense of accomplishment? It's it's absent. It doesn't exist. And humans crave that sense of accomplishment. Even if it doesn't yield a good job or congratulatory phrase from another or from your peers. It's that self-gratification of... Accomplishing a task that you may thought previously you would not be able to complete. And it seemed at the start to be overwhelming and impossible or improbable. There's nothing more satisfying than proving yourself to be wrong about what you are capable of. Even down to the simplest thing. In terms of physical exercise is walking up to a pull-up bar, knowing for a fact and convincing yourself that you know for a fact that you can only do five pull-ups. But then you get up there and you do six. The change in your mentality of adding one more pull-up to your regimen can vastly improve your outlook regarding your capabilities as a human being. Because if you don't test yourself and push yourself beyond your limits, you will never know what you are capable of. There's the old saying that one does not need to be, or one is not capable of understanding if they're strong if they do not first need to be strong. Individuals out there require the necessity to find strength in adversity. And if you do not embrace adversity in life as an opportunity for you to see where your strength lies and embracing the unknown of the future as opportunity, you become stagnant. And that leads to depression, it leads to anxiety, it leads to always living in a state of I don't know, and I feel like I can't succeed because I've never tested myself. How can you know if you are strong, if you have not tested your strength against anything or anyone or any task? You have to do difficult things in your life and make difficult decisions in order to find out what you are capable of as an individual. This changes anyone, something that you dread, something that Really pushes you back and makes you feel like you absolutely do not want to do a specific, could be a specific task. It could be a specific project in your home. It could be a specific job. That feeling needs to change, but you cannot convince yourself that that feeling doesn't exist. So the first step is to understanding that we all have that feeling, that we are human, that it is okay to feel dread. It is okay to feel stress. When we start telling ourselves that stress is a sign that we're doing something wrong, then progress grinds to a halt. We lose our sense of motivation when we lose our sense of embracing that challenge. So we have to somehow figure out a way to change our perception of that feeling to become one more of motivation, of someone telling you you can't do something. How do you get motivated when you feel that you don't need to work because it's too hard or you don't you don't need to read that entire book because it's too long and you want to spend your time doing other things like watching your favorite TV show. We have to change our perception of that dread, and of that procrastination feeling. Because we all have it. We all have procrastinated in our lives. And if there's a person out there who tells you that they don't procrastinate, they are an absolute dead-set liar. Convince yourself that that feeling can be now utilized for motivational factors. You need to prove to yourself that you are capable of more than you can ever imagine. And how is that accomplished? It's accomplished by simply working with yourself and separating your mind from your body. Your mind is now an external force. And that is how you converse with yourself. You are two separate things. Explain to yourself that the feeling of resentment to a specific task or job is simply meant to add a higher sense of gratification when it is complete or when you succeed. It's not about lowering your expectations. I think some people put it in a pessimistic sense, which is absolutely wholeheartedly wrong and only leads to further procrastination. You cannot put your mind in that realm and expect to do anything more in your life. I'm not saying that you need to take on the most difficult task just because you need to, although it would help, but I'm saying Find those incremental steps. Maybe do something that you don't want to do. What happens after you do something you don't want to do? Or something that is, let's change that. It's something that is difficult for you, which makes you not want to do it. So you have a task that is difficult. And that is going to take time and effort, but you don't want to move forward with it. Because of that, realize that the feeling of you not wanting to do it will only make the result more positive for you if you do it. I'll give you an example. After you finish work, you are absolutely exhausted. You don't feel like doing anything. That's exactly how I feel when I'm done my job at the end of the day. All I feel like doing is sitting on the couch and watching TV or reading a book. The last thing that I want to do is go outside and exercise. But there is where this road's split. As an individual, one road leads to you going outside and pushing yourself to the limit and beyond and bettering yourself physically and mentally. The other road leads to you sitting on that couch, doing nothing, achieving nothing, and only adding to your stale and stagnant life. And what will happen the next day? Will you actually go out and exercise? And it doesn't have to be a crazy crossfit, nutty, wild, feel like I'm going to faint and throw up workout. It could be a simply it could be as simple as walking out your front door and walking around your block. And maybe that walk will lead to another lap. Or maybe you'll go down a road that you haven't walked down in quite some time. Or maybe you'll go down a road that you've never gone down. And then you just find yourself walking and realizing how satisfying that is. And then you get back and you look at the clock and you realize you walked for an hour. How good does that feel when you're done Everybody dreads a workout. No one finishes their day and the only thing that they... Well, there are some people out there who are like that, but they're not normal, right? These people are not normal who wake up every single day and are just super-duper excited to exercise because it's hard. Things that are not easy are only better for you. They are meant to be that way. Your mind is meant to tell you that it does not want to do it because it's hard. That is a good thing. You you need to listen to that voice and hear what it's really telling you. That voice is telling you that that task is difficult and not everyone is going to want to do it and neither do I want to do it. But does that mean that I shouldn't do it because I don't want to do it? Where will that get you in life? You have to do these things because that will make you realize... That you yourself are more resilient, you are stronger, you are more motivated than you thought you were. And that adds power to you as an individual. It is empowerment at its best because no one else did it for you. No one else handed you anything. You can hold your head high knowing everything that you have done was because. You pushed yourself. Because you gave it everything that you could. Even though everyone in your life, every single person thought that you couldn't. Including you. You pushed yourself. So that is meaning things that you want to do. Yes, there could be some things that may be difficult for others, but what's difficult for you? Do not compare yourself to others. Look at yourself. What are you saying? Are you saying that you don't want to do it because why? if it's because it's hard and it's going to take too much time, I can guarantee you that if you complete that task and you take on that job that no one else wants to do, you will be the one that they look at knowing that you are willing to sacrifice these things in order to better yourself and you are not intimidated by something that is difficult. That's the other thing, the the feeling of intimidation over a task. Channel that to motivation to say, you know what? I'm intimidated by this, but this Makes me want to accomplish this more. Where did that feeling go? Why is apprehension celebrated? Quitting is brave. Why have those things shifted? Our culture promotes normality. It it, it promotes mundaneness there is no sacrifice anymore oh well not everyone can do it of course not everyone can do it but you're not everyone are you you are yourself you are an individual You have no idea what you're capable of because you've never tested yourself. You have never gotten to the point where you can confidently say, I can handle it because I have put myself through that experience already. Analyze your feeling. Understand why you feel a certain way. Why don't you want to do it? And if, it, if the answer is because it's difficult or that it's hard or that you're intimidated by it, face it. Embrace that bravery that everybody has. We're all capable of that bravery, but we choose to not pursue that feeling. We choose to not select that as our motivating factor in our lives. We, as individuals, have to get better at recognizing this feeling and changing it. Put that in your mind as something that you can exercise every day. I don't care what it is. It could be down to, I don't feel like taking a shower before going to bed. Get in the shower right then and there and you will feel unbelievable when you're done. You'll be clean, You'll feel great that you know. I'm really glad I did that. I have never found myself not saying, Boy, am I glad I did that after I exercise every day. If you do it one time, listen to yourself when you're done, or the day after, or a couple hours after. Listen to yourself when you're done. And what did you just say to yourself? You take on a big task at work, something that is outside of your job description. Good. Let that prove it to yourself that you are capable of more than you ever thought you were. Take on a job that maybe no one knows how to do and you figure it out on your own. My goodness, not only what does that say about you to yourself, but what does that say about you to others? People will look at you, look up to you, and they'll look to you for answers. What an important trait to have as an individual, changing the way that you perceive a challenge. So in summary, First, understand what you're feeling, okay? We all are going to feel intimidated. We all feel afraid. We all feel that reserve, that dread, that when we all procrastinate. But now, the next thing is, after you've recognized those feelings and you have acknowledged those feelings, I'm not saying they don't exist, Ask yourself why you don't want to do it. Why am I procrastinating? Use that voice as an external force. You know I really I really think that that we should just not do this. Why? Well, it's been a long day. I'm really tired. They're excuses. Recognize the excuse. Everyone has an excuse. There is no such thing as no excuses. There are excuses. But the the meaning there's no excuses means that the excuse is the motivating factor as to why you should do it. So take the excuse, reframe it to become motivational. Why don't you want to exercise? You've been procrastinating. You've cleaned the bathroom. Um, I'm laughing because that's what I did the other day. You organize your living room. And then what? And then what? Why are you pushing it off? Why are you dreading it? And if it's not because of a physical injury or health risk, and it's your mind telling you that you're tired, anyone can exercise. Get up and take a walk, step one. Take a walk, get the blood flowing, wake your mind up, then when you get back, hmm, I did that. I guess I could jog. I guess I could run. I guess I could do a few push-ups, sit-ups, squats, pull-ups. I can lift with the weights. I can hop on my bike. I can go for a bike ride. Yes, absolutely you can. The moment you break that barrier, the moment you shut that off and you switch it, and go huh, so i don't want to work out because i'm tired and because it's too difficult it's too strenuous then do it get up walk out and either walk jog run bike lift anything And when you are done, even write it down, write down your feelings verbally, say it out loud to you or anyone, your friend, family member, partner, say it out loud so that others hear and that you hear, and then you log that in your mind. To always remember that you took a task that you never thought you could accomplish. And you faced it. And you rebranded your apprehension. You've rebranded it. And you've changed it to pure motivation. Because the feeling of not wanting to do it is so strong, is it not? So take that strength of not wanting to do it. Take the strength of your being convincing you to not do it because we all know how strong that voice is. That voice is so strong. A lot of people say that you need to shut that voice down or or turn that voice off. That voice will always be there. That's human nature. That's like trying to shut off a part of your DNA. You can't do that. That's impossible. So don't shut that voice down. Laugh in that voice's face. Because you know the second you hear that voice, In your mind, that means that task is ever more important. The more difficult, long-lasting, intimidating a task is, the stronger that voice is going to be in your mind, promoting fear and apprehension and dread and procrastination. And the stronger that voice is, you understand the importance of that task And how it's more important that louder the voice is. And the more convincing that voice is to you is however more important that task is at hand. So take that voice, reframe it to a voice that is telling you that this task My God, is it more important than anything that I can do right now in my life because I am doing everything in my power to prevent myself from doing this because I am intimidated or I am scared or I am not wanting to do it because it takes too much time or energy or resources out of my day for me to do what I want. That is how you change your perception of a task, is how you reframe your perception of your voice that's telling you how much you don't want to do it for really ridiculous reasons. then you will almost convince yourself that you want to do those things. Try that in in little tiny increments in your life. It doesn't have to be, I'm just giving an example through exercise, but use it in another sense, right? Use that in a sense where it's within your grasp. Doing so much immediately without doing anything initially is is going to push you away from it further, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So do something small. Wake up in the morning. And how many of you out there don't want to make your beds in the morning? I know I don't. I'll be honest. It's the last thing I want to do when I wake up. So what do I do? I wake up. I open my eyes, I get out of bed, I get ready for the morning, and I come back and I make my bed. Channel those thoughts, reframe them, and only then will you see how simple it is to accomplish things you never thought you could ever complete in your life. And it becomes much simpler when you change the way that you think about how to even get past those thoughts. There is no getting past these thoughts for a lot of people. Some folks can, but for us normal folk, we must reframe the way that those thoughts are translated in our minds so i hope all of you enjoyed that little rant these are things i think about throughout the day and as soon as i think about them i press the record button and i start putting things out there and hoping that we have some people who are listening so i appreciate it thanks for listening to our mission this is what i think the podcast name is going to be called i'm still sort of working on the naming but i feel like it's probably a cool little name and Maybe I'll try to think of other names that uh, I can use, but hopefully I can get some more people to listen and get your thoughts, have open discussion, because I think at this point we need these talks, we need to hear these things, and we need people to start saying things that don't necessarily settle with us very well and are not just simply about your freedoms in your life. Yes, I do believe in individual liberty, but I do also believe that that individual liberty comes with the utmost responsibility for living your life responsibly and having the freedom to succeed or fail based off of your personal, individual prerogative. It is your choice how you want to live. So you must choose this. Anyway, I'm off now. I wanted to put a short one out here today because I know the last one was very long and it kind of started off sort of unfounded and unstructured, which I did say that a lot of these would be, but I'm going to try to stick to one subject. So that's what I wanted to talk about today was one of the thoughts that I've had about meaning in life and how I think these things can make you stronger as an individual, remove the anxiety and the stresses in your life, push away that depression that has been a shadow over your back for so long. And open your eyes to the potential of you as an individual. Empowerment changes you. Find it. Embrace it. And remember when it is completed. How you felt. And hang on to that feeling. Thank you again for listening. I will be talking and ranting to you very soon.